Welcome to the Ease of Business Podcast for the Enlightened Entrepreneur, hosted by Lisa Shermerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Here is where we help disruptors gain clarity on how to make a bigger impact while living a life of abundance. Through reading amazing books that have helped us in business. Thanks so much for joining us and let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Ease of Business Podcast. I am your host, Celeste Hartwell, here with the beautiful Lisa Shermerhorn. And we haven't said it officially, but we're going to announce it now. This is our last episode. Um, and I recently came upon this book. Lisa read this book uh, a little bit more than a year ago. And I was like, Lisa, this is the book to end all books. Like, I feel like of all the self-help books that I've read and participated in and, um, y- y- you know, worked through in my journey, which has been a lot. Uh, this book just felt like such a beautiful place to end, uh, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, I'm excited, too, because I will tell you that this, it's beyond the book. It's a way of life, and if you integrate what is taught in this book, it will change your life. Yes. It completely transformed and changed my life in ways that I can't even begin to describe, but we'll we'll go into stories about this. But I also know so many people who also um, have have used this technique. So we can go into the whole purpose of you know the book is is uh, Joe Joe Vital and uh, Zero Limits. It's really about someone else, and you can pronounce the author's name a lot better than I can. <laughs> I've listened to it many Keith. times. Yeah. yeah, so it's 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 zero limits by Dr. Joe Vitale and Dr. E. Haleakala Hulin, um, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year. And this book is actually from 2009. Like I didn't realize how old it was. Old, not really old, but you know what I mean. Um, and I was really impressed. Uh, it is. Yeah, like you said, it's one of those books that I feel like if you allow it, if you do the simple work of it, it will change so much. And and just to give like a small story, how I found this book was that a woman was telling me about it at the end of July and she was saying, have you ever heard Zero Limits? And I said, no. And she said, I listened to this book on the way to Alaska. It was like her husband and her went on this trip and excuse me. And she said, just by listening to this book, we had the most magical trip of anybody that I know of anybody who was even like, you know, on the different sightseeing things with them. Like they saw all of the animals, like all of a sudden there were penguins and all of a sudden there were dolphins and all of a sudden there were whales and like all these crazy sightings that normally are like, quote unquote, once in a lifetime. And they got to see all of them. And so she was like, we had the most amazing pictures. And even when we weren't able to get pictures, we had the most amazing time. And she was like, really attributing it to this book, which made me go, well, I want miracles and magic in my life. Like, tell me what book this is. I'm going to be in it. Uh, And it really has been producing magical miracle 
situations through it. So I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about the story of it, Lisa. Did you want to, did you want to kind of jump in there? Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, just when you talk about magical miracles, I have a friend who was practicing uh, this technique, the Ho'oponopono, and um, she loved chocolate. And literally after she do the prayer, someone knocked on her door during lockdown and she opened a door and there's a bag of chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and she was manifesting Easter, Easter baskets full of chocolate and all kinds of things. It was crazy, but um, yeah, she, it was crazy. So um, the story that, that I, that I know that I remember was that Dr. Hugh Lynn is, a, is he a clinical psychologist? I'm trying to remember he his was. exact, or he was. And uh, there was a a prison in Hawaii that had a a wing of it that was for the criminally insane, and it was so bad to work there that they couldn't keep people there. People were quitting left and right. They couldn't keep guards. It was a horrible place to work and to 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 be in. And by law, they were obligated to keep a psychologist uh, on board uh, to work with these with with these prisoners. They approached him to work there and he said, I'd be happy to work there, but I will not see any patients. I will just want to see their folders. And they said, this guy is crazy. How can he even accomplish anything? He's pulling one over on us. So. Uh, we're going to skip this. And months later, they still couldn't hire anyone. They ended up hiring him. And I forget in what amount of time, but within a short amount of time, the entire wing was cleaned out. The people either were put back into the regular um, prison system or to a mental health facility. And people couldn't believe what had happened here. And it's based in these ancient Hawaiian prayers. And and it's under the whole concept of you're forgiving yourself because we are all one. We are forgiving others. We are forgiving ourselves, the part of us that is in the other person. And when you release and you forgive yourself and you forgive the other person, that's when the magic happens. And I, I, Celeste, I'll, I'll allow you to continue on with your stories around this. Yeah, I'm just um, adding the banner right now. Okay. So, so the Ho'oponopono prayer, which Lisa, you alluded to a little bit, was, is I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And the book definitely is one of those things where it's so worth the listen or the read. Um, it is so life-changing, but yeah, as you had mentioned, like Dr. Hewlin went in, he was a staff psychologist. It was literally in a matter of months that he said, all of a sudden the, the paint would take wall, the walls would take paint. Like, like there was so much depression in this, in this ward that the building was unhappy, that the building wouldn't like was feeling deprived as well. In addition to the people, it got to the point where prisoners who had been shackled, you know, their, their hands and feet restraints because there was so much violence in the ward 
all of a sudden were unshackled. All of a sudden, prisoners who had been on medication were no longer on medication. And and Dr. Hewlin actually learned this technique from his mentor, mentor, excuse me, who whose name was Morna. And they go really deep into it in the book. But the Ho'oponopono is an ancient Hawaiian practice that Morna actually felt called to update into self-identity Ho'oponopono. So the, the whole premise is that in ancient Hawaiian tradition, the Ho'oponopono is done in a community setting. It's done with a tribe leader who is facilitating this community healing amongst family or friends or whatever that is. And in the self-identity Ho'oponopono, it's literally, it's the reflection that everything that happens that comes into my awareness, even if I did not do it, if a client comes to me and is complaining about something, I co-created that. I am responsible for that. And so then the prayer is to the divine. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And it's not like I have sinned. Please forgive me. It's not a begging. It's like I have these programs that I've been living with, that I've been conditioned with since I, and we've talked a lot about beliefs in this show because of the work that Lisa does and the work that I do and, and Lisa's book in every belief there is a lie. And it's about like understanding that we all have these programs. They were instilled in us. Some of them we came upon ourselves and, and it's not that we've sinned quote unquote, but it's that we are programmed in this way. So please forgive me of my programming. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Right. And so thank you for loving me. Thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to learn these lessons and to clean the slate. And so they talk a lot in the book about how the Ho'oponopono prayer, when done in the self-identity manner, is cleaning. You're cleaning the programs that you and this other person share, that you and humanity share, and eventually those programs will be eliminated from the face of the planet, from humanity, really, which is kind of exciting and kind of cool. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's so powerful. And so I'll just share one story. I know Lisa has some stories, too. I'll share one story of what happened for me yesterday in a client session. I have a client who has been having some issues with a particular employee. And so I was able to, you know, really get her to hear well, give it over to God, give it over to the divine, whatever that higher power is for you. Just trust that like, if this employee is meant to uh, come around and, and work as expected and have good communication and all the things that were going on, then they will. And if they don't bless and release them, like let them go, let the divine take care of the situation. And I'm not kidding you. We got out of our session. She then, you know, went to another room, got her phone and looks at her phone. And she literally had a text from a woman looking for a job. (laughs) Also in this space of being in 2022, when like everybody's like, oh, nobody wants to work and nobody wants to, right? Like it really... How much are we allowing the divine into our lives? That's a lot of what my work is with people. But uh, I just thought it was so fun because literally in our session, 
all I was doing in our session, I mean, of course, I was sharing what I was inspired to share. But I also was just repeating to myself over and over, I love you. I love you. I love you. And cleaning the space, right? So that I'm not adding any unnecessary programming to her experience. And also so that we are, you know, so that to clean up as much as we can so that people can have magical, mystical, amazing experiences. Well, that and that's exactly what's happened to me. Uh, and, and what's so interesting is we talk about the idea that we're all one. So every person, every situation that comes into our life is a direct reflection. It's a mirror of us. That's one of the reasons why it works because we're so busy judging other people. And we talked about this on our last podcast was for every finger we are pointing at someone, we have three fingers pointing back at ourselves. So that's why the forgiveness work works because we're forgiving ourselves. Carolyn Mace, if you're familiar with her, but she's, she's an incredible, incredible visionary author speaker. And she talks about judgment. And, and I remember her saying, who here would judge someone who stole a car? And everyone's like, you know, why, what are they doing stealing a car? And she said, if I were in the middle of a place and I knew that my daughter was going to die, if I didn't get her to the hospital immediately and there was no time to call an ambulance and the car was running, you bet your sweet, you know what, that I would grab that car and put my daughter in the car and run her to the hospital. And so to judge someone for doing something, we don't know where they came from. So by forgiving someone, because we don't know, we don't know other people's stories. Uh, one of the things that I had learned, I had become part of a Ho'oponopono group two years ago. And we would meet on a regular basis. And that was the chocolate chips, you know, story that when um, my friend Sue would do it and all of a sudden chocolate kept appearing at her front door, it, it was actually became laughable. Um, there are videos online of, uh, I, what is her name again? You mentioned her, I forgot uh, who he had trained with. May Morna. Morna. Yeah. I yeah. think she does, did some of uh, the Ho'oponopono in, um, there's some really beautiful music that you mm -hmm. can listen to with headphones so that you can repeat them. Um, it's also what I did was when I had learned in my group is we took index cards and we took index cards and on each index card, we wrote either the person or the issue. Now, if there were multiple issues around one person, I might have 10 cards on that one person because sometimes you, it's too overarching. It's too big mm -hmm. to forgive. So sometimes you have to break it down. I had a stack this thick next to my bed and every night before I went to bed and in the morning when I woke up and I did this straight for six months without fail. And sometimes I would do the Ho'opono prayer all day and I would tap. Um, they instructed us when I was learning this to tap the cards as you repeated the prayer because it helped with the vibration. Hmm. I had someone I hadn't spoken to in 14 years. And the only thing that had changed was the Ho'opono prayer. And I was driving, I will never forget this. I was driving and I answer my phone and I get this call and I said, hi, Lisa, it's so-and-so. I just want you to know that I noticed that there's been a difference in our relationship. 
and I really want to reconnect. Nothing had changed except that prayer. Yeah. I, I almost, I almost literally like I, my jaw, you could have picked my jaw up off the ground. Um, it was really, really powerful. And it was also how I, I believe the list for my book, because what happened for me, can you say was, that again? You went out for a second. I don't know. If oh, was me. I believe that the whole Ponopono prayer was the catalyst for my book mm. because I had to forgive myself. I had all of these lies, all of these beliefs about myself that I needed to forgive. These were all blocking my progress. Who am I to write a book? What do I have to say that hasn't been said by others? You know, I, I wasn't a great student. You know, how how is this book going to come off? There were so many doubts and so many things. And I wrote them all down. And one by one, it was cleaning. To a point when I became a new in a neutral place, that's when things start to happen, like what you were just describing with the law of attraction. This allows, imagine you are on a highway and your destination of what you want is at the end of that highway and you've stuck boulders in. And now with the Ho'opono prayer, you are releasing the boulders that allow you to get to your destination fast. And these things, as you were just relating these stories, these things happen overnight sometimes, instantly. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And I will say that I think to, for me, what I've noticed is the key piece for me is to remember I co-created this and yeah. taking that responsibility, right? Because it's easy to be in a victim space and be like, why is this happening to me? Oh, I'm just going to clear this by saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Right. But to really be like, oh, no, I created this and having compassion for ourselves, right? Like not having judgment, just being like, oh, I've created this based on some program that, that I've had. And it can it can it can be different and not needing it to be different. I think that that's the other piece. I find a lot with law of attraction and the co-creating our own reality a lot of times we forget that surrender is a huge piece of that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's going to clear up. Like, I didn't know that that client was going to get, uh, you know, someone texting her looking for a job because I was cleaning in the session. Like that to me wouldn't have been the biggest issue that we were discussing right. to be completely transparent, right. but that, but that was what happened. And so right. I think remembering that at the end of the day, I think that the other thing that comes through in this book too is as much as we want to have intention and goals, you know, if we just allow ourselves to get out of the way and clean on a regular basis, we have no idea the magic that can show up. Exactly. Exactly. And I will tell you, I've witnessed this in the past year by releasing all those self-doubts and then suddenly the title of my book coming to me and then the book through me and then all of the opportunities that started to show up. And I ask, I said, OK, you want this book to come through me, then I need this to be easy and effortless for this to get out into the world. Show me and then I continue to release and and it shows up. 
And one of the things, I don't know if you have read this or studied this yet. This was told me in someone who studied, uh, you know, did a lot of those programs. There's a fifth line that's that was added. I forgives me. And it's about the great I am or God forgiving me. So you have the option to add that on at the end. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I forgives me. And I know it sounds really awkward to say, but it's really about God forgiving you and asking for that, um, that forgiveness. Because we have this misunderstanding of what forgiveness really is. Right. And, and for me, there is, we are imperfectly perfect. We are here to have make mistakes. We are here to do these things, to learn, to overcome for our soul's growth. We could not achieve what we need to achieve if we didn't make mistakes. There's nothing to forgive. If you right. understand going back to the four agreements, we're doing the best we can with what we have. And, right. and that's part of allowing you, at least for me, to forgive people. They're doing the best they can. Now, maybe the best they can do on one day is very different than the best they can do on another day. And that's something else we have to know. There are days we're really tired or days we have really bad day or we're not feeling well. Uh, something bad news comes. I'm not going to be on my toes. And that's okay. As long as I know that I've done the best that I could. And then, and then, and then it's easier to forgive. Now, the great forgiveness that we watch, I know that I've watched that people are in awe of is when someone murders a family member mm -hmm. and they stand up in court and say, I forgive you. Those are incredibly powerful moments. And the release that happens and the healing that happens from that person to the other person who has done this deed. Ultimately, karma, karma happens. Whatever goes around comes around. They, they've created their karma. It's not up to me right, to be yeah. in charge of what happens to that person. I love that. And I think that the other thing with the I forgives me, like I definitely, you know, have, have been doing the advanced Ho'oponopono training, which is separate from this book. Right. Um, and they talk about that. It is the I am. It is the divine that's forgiving you. But it's not, again, it's not because you're wrong. It's not because you're sinful. It's because you've been programmed. And it's forgiving the programming. Exactly. And and when we can look at it from that perspective, I just think it's so much more kind, gentle. It's definitely not the way that I grew up in, in kind of a fire and damnation <laughs> um, religion. But when we can really realize that we are doing the best that we can with everything that we know. And I love, Lisa, that you pointed out like, your best today might not be your best tomorrow, might not be the same as your best yesterday. Because I know that for me, like I grew up feeling like I should be a machine and I should be able to do the same things all the time. And why is it different? And like judging myself for not doing that, for not being quote unquote perfect. Right. right. And when we realize that we're all human, everyone is human no matter what your judgments may be about their country, about their experience, about what they feel called to do. Like at the end of the day, it's between you and the divine, me and the divine, 
you and the divine. Like it is not about you and other people. And so I love this. This book for me took personal responsibility to a completely different level. And I've been coached around personal responsibility that I am responsible for everything that happens in my life. And to be completely transparent, like I had a pretty traumatic childhood. I had a lot of uh, trauma to work through because there was definitely a piece of me that's like, I've been responsible for everybody my entire life. I don't want to be responsible any longer. Like, just let me sit back. And and I've done that for a few years. Like, I, I took my time. I took my break and healed and really grounded in the learnings and the lessons from all of that. And so for me, this is like the book to end all books because it kind of sewn, sewed all of that together, all of the work that I've done into this very concise, simple practice where I do it on a regular basis. If somebody says something that upsets me, I saw something this weekend, like between two of my stepkids, they're fighting. And I was like, oh, I created this and I share this program. And so why don't I love myself through this and love this program for what it is teaching me Wow. And and not needing it to change. I did not need it to change in that moment. It dissipated in the moment. We'll see, you know, if it shows up again or I'll continue to do Ho'oponopono around it because it would be easier for everyone if it went away. <laughs> I may have attachment to it going away <laughs> at this point. So I need to release that. <laughs> that's my and that's, how you, and that's how you know, like a yeah. stack of cards that I had. As I would do the the whole ponopono and I would tap on those cards. And as soon as I stopped having a charge on that issue, I would tear it up and throw it out. And then yeah. next, and then that stopped having a charge. So it, it's interesting. What is the attachment to you around this arguing? Because is it really part of you or is it that their stuff that they have to deal with? But it is mine because I witnessed it, right? Like that's what they really get to in the book. Like I share the program. That's true. Because I was a part of the conversation. If I did not share the program, I would not have witnessed it or known about it at all. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. It is. It's a deeper level of personal responsibility. It is 100% personal responsibility, which can also be confronting for people. It's so. very, Byron Katie talks about that loving what yeah. is in her book and uh, that work of you're responsible for everything. And it's a hard pill to swallow. I will tell you the first time I read that book, I got halfway through and threw it across the room and I, and I had a few choice words to say for her because I was angry. I was like, what do you mean? This happened to me that, you know, I was totally in victim and you cannot be in victim with us. Right. It's about holding and taking responsibility and forgiving and letting go. And then what happens is it puts you in full responsibility and charge for your life. So be ready. And Not everyone is ready for that. And that's a super empowering space when yeah. we can heal through the I want to be a victim and I don't want to be responsible for everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Something else that came up for me around that when you were speaking. What were you talking about again? Byron Katie, 100% personal responsibility. Taking throwing res- yeah, throwing the book. Um, and that I had to take full responsibility. I was a victim. And I was very angry at her at the time because you have to be ready. Yeah. You have to be ready because like with the book, but 
there was nothing blocking it anymore. That's the thing. When you release this, there's no more fear. So it yeah. just happens. It flows. You know, if people who who talk know the term flow, a lot of golfers will use that in the zone. Mm-hmm. What happens is people have that fear of the fear. You know, if this actually happens now, what I'm going to, ha- what am I going to do? That's not what happens because once you have forgiven everything, it's like, whoosh, it, it's like this beautiful motion that things happen suddenly effortlessly. That's what I was going to say. So thank you for going into all that because that brought it back. So part of this, there's when we want to be in victim and we don't want to take 100% responsibility, we're not always seeing that our soul is bigger than what's in our body, right? Mm -hmm. Like our soul is much bigger than what's in our body. And they don't really talk about this in the book. So we're going a little bit outside of it, but what I've really come to, and I think, you know, I've done some shadow work and existential kink um, is an amazing book by Dr. Carolyn Elliott um, around that shadow work can be really confronting as well because it's saying everything negative that has ever happened to me, I have also created that and everything amazing. And if I'm creating currently something shitty for lack of a better word, like something that's unpleasant, something that I don't desire, something that's quote unquote negative because I don't like it. There is a piece of my soul that is doing this for a purpose. And so we don't necessarily need to know the purpose, but can we move our perspective back or up a little bit to look at the whole picture and get curious instead of judging it for being negative or unwanted or undesirable and say, well, what is this teaching me? That's my famous word that I use for myself. What is this teaching me? What, who am I going to be when I get to the other side of this? What's Mm. the gift that's going to come from this? Now, when you're triggered, don't say that. Or when you have someone who's in the process of this and they're triggered, and then you say to them, oh, there's going to be a gift in it. Be careful. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go to your friend who is like highly emotional in a highly emotional resistant state and be like, oh my God, isn't this so amazing? What are you learning from this? Yeah. I've done that. Don't be that person. I've done that that. too. But I, I try and catch myself. Yeah. I try and catch myself. And then what also happens is I've shifted the way I see pain and wounding So when I see someone else who's in pain, there was a part of me that used to need to take it away. Mm. And what I learned was when I was trying to take it away, I was enabling them. And then they weren't going to learn how to do it themselves. And I was sending the message that I didn't think they were capable of of healing it themselves. And I was taking their gift away from them. Holding space and saying, I will be there for you. I will hold space for you. I forgive you. You need to forgive yourself through this mm-hmm. process. Or I shouldn't say you don't need to do anything. I invite you to forgive yourself through this process and whoever else in the circumstance. And it lifts. It lifts and it shifts and changes you in ways. It's a huge part of my practice with every single session I do with the client. 
when I'm helping people release negative beliefs, there's always forgiveness involved in it. Self-forgiveness. Oftentimes it's forgiveness of a parent, sibling, someone close to you, ex-husband, current husband, wife, whatever. But there's always forgiveness that is involved when you want to move on to the next level. It just is. Yeah. And I'm just like looking up something really quick. Yeah. So the definition of forgiveness is the action. That doesn't make any sense. The action (laughs) or process of forgiving or being forgiven. (laughs) You can't use the word. The same word. Yeah. That does not work. It's a conscious. Oh, I like this better. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision Mm -hmm. to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness that's the key i like that i just got i call them god bumps now instead of goosebumps yeah but that that is absolutely on key is that sometimes there's the most horrific thing that has happened to you and and we want to hold on to it. And how does that serve you by holding on to it? Right. The saying of, uh, you know, resentment is swallowing a poison pill, expecting the other person to die. I say that all the time because by holding on to that resentment, because I can't, you know, because what was done to me was so horrific. The only person that you are harming is yourself in that. Right. Because deep down, the other person probably isn't even thinking about you. That's the worst part of it. They win when you are resentful and angry and hold on to it because that's taking you down. Yeah. When you let go and forgive and don't even think about them anymore, that is what gets them. Right. Like that's when you win, right? That's like when you don't, you, win. you don't, you're giving energy to a person or a situation. Oh my God. I used to be the queen of this, um, beating myself up for things that I had done seemingly to someone else or upset someone else in a certain way. And the fact of the matter was when, if I would talk to them about it later, they weren't even thinking about it. It was never a consideration for them, but I would beat myself up, make myself ill all weekend long thinking about what I did stupid Friday yeah. night and then go into work on Monday. And they were like, Oh yeah. Like not a big deal. Not a big deal. Or they don't remember at all. Right. And you're like, Oh my God. All like, I did such was a think about this. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's very true with the non-issue. Yeah. And the more you forgive and release it, it becomes even more of a non-issue because it's cleared from the field. It's cleared. The energy is cleared and there's no energy for it to stay. Yeah. So I love the fifth statement of like, I forgives me again, the divine forgiving Mm -hmm. me. But I think that there's also a space where we need to cut ourselves slack. Yeah. So often we are our own worst critic. I know that's how I grew up. It's only been in the last couple of years that I've given myself a lot of grace and space and let things go. And I think that that's a journey for a lot of people. It is a journey. And, and, you know, to say that you can do this overnight, it's, it's a trial and error thing. I had to do a lot of work on myself to get there. 
I, I was, if someone had asked me to start doing the Ho'oponopono when I was deep in the trenches originally, when I was deep in victim mode, I don't know that I would have been able to do it. I don't know that I had the maturity or the understanding of it. I had to do that really deep introspection first to have the understanding of these concepts. And, and most of the time when I did this work, I always had someone working with me. So I always had a coach or yeah. a mentor of some sort, because this stuff is really hard to see for yourself. It's always cool to have someone catch you and like, hmm, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. And the way you're speaking about this person, I'm, I'm experiencing the fact that I that you, there's still resentment. No, there isn't. I've forgiven them. Hmm. Are you triggered right now? Yes. Hmm. There's some more work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that came up for me, I'm seeing if it's going to come up again and <laughs> left again. I heard things leaving. It's okay. Maybe it's not meant to be said. I think that it's, Oh, that's what I was going to say. So for me, my journey was I actually started telling myself that I love myself in order to fall asleep at the end of the day. And and part of that was like, you may not know, but I legally changed my first, middle and last mm -hmm. name four years ago. But the other part of that, so part of that was like programming myself to respond to Celeste. Part of that was like really identifying with myself as Celeste. But the other piece of what was like just telling myself I love myself and that would help me calm down and go to sleep. But then there were evenings where my anxiety would be really, really high and I wasn't, that didn't calm me down. Saying I love mm. you, Celeste, did not calm me down. And I would do this in my mind, right? Like I'm not doing it loud with my partner, but and then I learned what came to me, thankfully, intuitively, was I will do better tomorrow. I will do better mm. tomorrow. I love that. And that would then like really settle my nervous system, really settle down my body, really settle down my mind. Because that's something that I can, I can make that commitment to myself that I will do better tomorrow in whatever way that was. And it was literally that general. It was not like, I will do better with X, Y, Z. I will make a million dollars tomorrow. Like it wasn't any of that. It was just literally giving myself some grace in that moment in order to be able to fall asleep and get the rest that my body really needed so that I could have a better day in the next day. And, and what's also interesting is, and I love what you just said. That's beautiful. Grace. It's such a beautiful, perfect word around the whole Pono Pono. And um, you also said, I said, I love myself to myself. The interesting thing for me around that is I didn't know what loving myself was. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what that looked like. No one really explained that to me. And I was like, oh, I just, I love me. I love myself. What I realized that loving yourself is boundaries. Loving yeah. yourself is saying no. Loving yourself is doing things that are special to you, regardless of what other people think or, or saying something or doing something, regardless of what people think. And that is loving yourself. That's being a warrior. Regardless of what a significant other thinks. Yes. That's been my journey to loving myself. Yes. Like yes. as much as I love my, my life partner, 
he does not always understand or can, and cannot always hold space for what my intuition calls me to do. And I've had to come to a space like really grounded. And I've learned too that if I say something really grounded to him, if I feel it in my whole body, I've really embodied a decision, he will be more apt to get behind it and support me. And there are times where he's, he can't. And I, and I just look at him and I go, yeah, I love you. And I'm still doing this thing, you know? And I, so I love what you're saying, Lisa, like we're not really taught what loving ourselves really looks like, that it looks like my intuition is going to call me into different things than his is going to. And having the, again, the compassion, the understanding, the perspective of my journey is different than your journey is different than his journey is different than my client's journey. And I love this practice of being able to just repeat these phrases or just the, I love you. They talk a lot about just saying, I love you over and over, over again in your head as a cleaning tool in this book um, to be able to hold the space. Exactly. No, it's so true. It's so true. There's so many different techniques that are out there. And there's, there's a lot of things that can be used. What I will say is from my own personal experience of doing this kind of work for 20 years, this is one of the top ones, if not the top one. And learning to practice humility, because you have to be humble, you have to humble yourself, you are literally humbling yourself before the divine or whatever you want to talk about it and just say no we go loud oh my sorry my dog's tail it's dinner time (laughs) i love lily bang 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 tail on the door but um yet you need to humble yourself yeah and really take full responsibility that has to come from the heart if you are just going through the motions you, it's not, you know, oh, I want to I want to make a lot of money. I'm going to forgive someone. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I'm sorry. No, yeah. this comes from the heart. You have to truly embody it. And when you do, the sky's the limit. And I will say what I like about Dr. Joe Vitale says in this book, you may not feel it at first. But you get into the habit of just saying it over and over and over again, and eventually that feeling will come. And for me, that was really important. That was an important thing to remember because you don't have to feel love for whatever program is going on, but eventually it will clear up. It will, you know, there's, there's stages to different things. And so just because you're not getting it on day one, does not mean it's not going to happen. And for me personally, my practice has been listening to this book multiple, multiple, multiple times so that it's really, really ingrained and embodied into me so that it is a daily continual practice. Yeah, it is a daily continual practice and it does have to become embodied in, in you. It becomes an absolute part of you. And if you do you know, practice this. If you do add it to your repertoire daily, your life will change. And, and Dr. Dr. Joe Vitale was really instrumental in bringing this out in outside Mm -hmm. of Hawaii, 
because this was a little known thing. It was really kept a secret for a long time. And I'm very grateful for that. And, and one of the things that helped me was we formed a Ho'oponopono group and we would meet once a week and we held ourselves accountable and we would meet. And then everyone would talk about, you know, what it was that shifted and changed that week. And some people would have multiples. Some people were like, wow, I didn't have anything this week. And then the next week they would have it. But there was always miracles. And and one was a fellow who had very different religious beliefs from his parents and had been estranged for many, many, many years. And he had a little girl who was four years old who had never met his grandparents and they lived two miles from each other. And he was heartbroken because he had chosen to leave this particular faith. It just what didn't resonate with him. He started doing the Ho'oponopono out of the blue. And you're talking about 17 years they didn't speak. Out of the blue, his mother called and said, I know that according to my beliefs, I'm not supposed to see you anymore. But there's nothing that could stop us from randomly running into each other, let's say, at a library. And that began a healing opportunity for them and for his daughter to meet his grandmother. And now they see each other on a regular basis. So this is the power of the Oponopono. I don't take this lightly. I really don't. And and if you take this seriously and make it part of your practice, and for coaches who are listening to this, therapists who are listening to this, um, anyone who is of service to anyone else, the medical field, anything, I highly recommend you using this not only for you, but teaching those in your life and those who are special to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's been game changing for me just in the very short time period. And for my clients, like I have other client stories, like it's just been incredible um, to watch and my own family, like my own, you know, my own day to day people, like all the people that I've been around. It's just been such a powerful tool. So cannot recommend this book enough. That is why we are doing it for our last episode. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for being with us throughout this, this stint. We may pick it up in the future. We're not sure. We'd love to hear if you want us to pick it up. If you have something that you think that we need to need to absolutely talk about, uh, you can definitely reach out to us. You can continue to follow Lisa Shermerhorn at peakperformancemindsetcoaching.com and definitely pick up her book, In Every Belief There Is a Lie, uh, so that you can get some more goodness from her. And if you want to continue following me and my work, Celeste, you can call me, you can find me at celestehartwell.com and I am happy to be there. So other than that, any final words, Lisa, that you want to say? Well, it's been a privilege and an honor. And and what I have to say is you have introduced me to some amazing books that have been life-changing for me. And to be able to talk about these books and uh, put these out there so that they can impact others has been such a great gift. And, and uh, you know, I, I love reading and I love doing this. This uh, has been such a beautiful journey with you. And uh, I'm just so grateful. So thank mm. you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you for taking this fun, crazy ride with me. It's been a lot of fun. And 
And I'm just so grateful that we've had this project together, this journey together. And so I just, again, I feel like this is the perfect book to end on and I appreciate you doing it with me. And I'm so glad that you had had so many positive experiences with it too, because that definitely goes to show um, how, even if a book was written, you know, 15 years ago or whatnot, like it still is impacting people. Oh, there's some great, really relevant older books. We could go back, even Napoleon Hill going back way back. There's but so many, uh, yeah. there's so many great books, but um, I think we came up with a good choice. If you, if this is your first time listening to this, there's some great opportunities to listen to some books that we've talked about. And uh, again, um, please reach out if you have any questions you want to know more about each of us and what we do. And thank you again, Celeste, for this great honor. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you to our listeners for listening and being with us. And if we see you again in the future, we'll be excited to witness you there. So have a great day. <laughs> this has been the Ease of Business podcast for enlightened entrepreneurs. Hosted by Lisa Schumerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us at theeaseofbusiness.com, on our Facebook page, and on YouTube at the Ease of Business Podcast. We stream live on YouTube and Facebook every third Tuesday of the month. And we'd love it if you'd like to read the book that we're doing next and join in the conversation live at 7 p.m. Eastern. See you then.